What is life? It has to have a purpose. Everything has a purpose in life. Everything you do has a purpose. There's a reason you're doing it. You don't do nothing for no reason at all. You wake up in the morning. Why? Because you're not tired no more. You've had enough sleep. You eat. Why? Because your body tells you you're hungry. You drink. Because your body tells you you're thirsty. These are all purposes, reasons we do stuff. Then people question, why do we die? There's a reason we die. Most people die of heart disease. People die of cancer. Some people die young. Some people die old. But everybody dies. There's a reason for it. There's a purpose for it. We kill animals just to eat them. We kill plants just to eat them. You know, we, we make things die so we can live. We take their life so we can have life. That's the way life is. Give and take, give and take. Everybody wants something from life. It'd be meaningless to go through life and not want anything at all. I can't sit and help a question, what is life? What do you believe in life? Some people believe that we came from nothing. We came from monkeys. We just, the Big Bang Theory, everything came from nothing. The same theory can be used to describe God. God came from nothing and God just is. It doesn't make sense when you think about it. Why are we here? Why is life so stressful? Why couldn't it be more easier? Why does everyone have a different point of view on what is happiness and what is not happiness? But everybody wants to be happy. There are a lot of mysterious things in the Bible. A lot of instances that people say don't want to be true. That we just can't see happening within our time that we live in right now. For instance, like animals that talk. But people talk to their dogs and they talk to their cats. And somehow it seems that their dogs or their cats can understand what they're saying. And people train lions and bears and somehow these lions and bears understand what they're saying. So I'm going to go over a couple of instances in the Bible where animals have taught the people. The very first one is in Genesis chapter 3. And it says at the very beginning, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees of the garden and the fruit, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. An animal, a snake, talked to her. Okay? So, the woman was convinced by this serpent, this snake that talked to her. She saw that the tree was good and beautiful, and its fruit looked like delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So, she took some of the fruit from the tree and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed thin leaves together to cover themselves. After this, it says, While the cool evening breeze were blowing over, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now, Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden. In the very beginning, man was created in God's image. People want to say, what does God look like? God looks like a man. Okay? Adam heard God walking in the garden. He said he hid from him. 
Okay, so Adam and Eve were talked face to face with God. So God is not hard to find. It says in the Bible, if you search for God, you will find him. That's all you have to do. Look with him with all your heart and soul. But don't look and try to add things to, to the Bible that's not there. Look, look with all your heart and soul. Look for something you really want to believe. God will make himself real, you know. And, and if you don't believe in God, it comes down to basically this. Either you believe we came from God, right, or you believe in the theory of evolution, what scientists tell you that we came from monkeys and all these other organisms, and all these things came from nothing. But if you can't believe that God came from nothing, why is it you believe that you came from nothing? Is that just the way you are? Talking Animals. The book of Numbers, chapter 22, verse 21. So the next morning, Balaam got up, sat on his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding with him, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between the two vineyards. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crush Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood at a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Then the Lord God gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. He replied, You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But the donkey replied, But am I not the same donkey you have ridden all your life? The donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with the drawn sword in his hand. Balaam down, bowed down his head and fell face down to the ground before him. One of the most interesting people, I think, in the Bible has to be Moses. Moses had a very interesting life. When Moses was born, the Egyptians were going around killing all the Jews. So Moses' mother, out of fear of wanting her son to live, decided to build a basket out of reeds and send it down the Nile River. Well, while that basket was floating down the Nile River, it so happened that one of Pharaoh's daughters found that basket. And, you know, she took the child from the river. Now, some of these texts describe, the, you know, the child being as known that this was a Jew, Jewish child that she took from the river. But there's also belief that she thought that this God came from the gods because there were river gods. There were also many gods that the Egyptians worshipped, okay? So Moses, in theory, was brought up thinking that he was a god, okay? And they kept him there as a god. He was raised as an Egyptian. And he didn't know no different. He thought he was an Egyptian his whole life, you know. It wasn't until he was 40 years old that he met God. And one day when he was out and he was walking around and he saw all these slaves, you know, and he, he saw them being beaten and stuff, right? That that same day he met his sister and his sister told him, you know, you're not really who you think you are. Your past is not really what you think you are. You're a Hebrew. You're a Jew like one of us. And this really puzzled Moses. It ate at his heart. And he thinks, man, he goes, this, you know, this doesn't make you know, sense. He goes, but he looked at his life. He didn't look like his mom or dad. And, and he was, his mom told him that he was brought from the river. And no one knows where he was really born from. And that's how he was raised. And so he got mad when he saw one of the Egyptians beating one of the Hebrews. And he picked up a rock and he killed him. He killed the Egyptian right there. So Moses was a murderer. 
You know, by, by today's standards, he'd be doing a life sentence. He'd be in prison, no question about it. He'd be doing fucking life. It's over with. Forget about it. You're doing life. You killed someone. So Moses ran away. When he, he knew he was wanted for murder. He took off. He ran away from the Egyptians and he went to the wilderness. While he was out there, he was walking and he saw this bush that was on fire. But the bush was not being consumed by fire. And he thought to himself, man, this is a curious sight. Let me go check this out. Let me go see what's going on with this bush that... You know, I see the fire burning there, but it's not being eaten up enough, and the leaves are still on it, and the bush is still there, but the fire is still consuming. So as he walked towards the bush, he heard his voice. He says, Moses, Moses. And he said, who are you? He goes, me, the Lord your God. He said, and the first thing God said to me, he said, take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. This is one of the second images we get of God. The first image we get of God was, you know, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve was there, and uh, Adam said he heard him walking in the midst of the garden. So we know God will say command because it also states that God was created in his image. Okay, so God was walking around in the garden with Adam. You know, we're created in God's image. That's what God looks like, a man. Okay, so Moses actually met God face to face in Adam. Very, very few people that saw God face to face. So after, you know, Moses met God. He met this burning bush. He said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go set my people, the Israelites, free. And he thought to himself, man, I can't do this. He goes, what am I supposed to bring back to Pharaoh to send, you know, to prove that I'm sent by you, God? And he said, but not only that, he goes, I can't speak well. Most people interpret this that Moses stuttered, that he had some type of speaking problem. You know, Moses was considered a coward. And so was his brother Aaron. He said, I'll send your brother Aaron with you. He speaks good. And he still didn't want to go. He still tried to talk his way out of it. I don't want to go, God. I don't want to go. God said, what is that you have in your hand? And he had a staff in his hand. He said, throw it down on the ground. And he threw it down on the ground. Bam, it turned into a snake. He was scared. And he backed up. He said, man. You know, and God said, reach out your hand. Grab the snake by the hand. He meant by the tail. And when he grabbed it by the tail, it turned right back into a staff. He goes, go so Pharaoh this sign. You know. And he goes, if he doesn't believe this sign, he goes, I want you to do something else. He goes, stick your hand in your pocket by your bosom. So he stuck his hand in his pocket, and it came out leprosy. Like all the flesh was gone. It was eaten away. It was raw. It was rotten. It looked like it was ready to fall off. And he's like, what is this? You know? And he says, stick your hand back in your pocket. So he stuck his hand back, his back in his pocket. And when he pulled it out, it was healed. Like he's never been sick or nothing. There was nothing ever wrong with it. He goes, if he don't believe the first sign with the stake, then show him this sign with your hand leprosy. He said, okay. So he went back up to Pharaoh. And at this time, he was gone for 40 years. You know, he didn't see him. He was on the run for murder. Now, it has to take a lot of heart, a lot of courage to go in front of this king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, knowing that you're wanted for murder, knowing that you could spend the rest of your life in jail or you could even get the death penalty yourself. But he had to trust that what he saw was real and he believed God to be real for what he really was. And so he went back up to Pharaoh and he showed him the sign with the snake, and Pharaoh called his magicians, you know, and once, they, they did the same exact magic, so magic is real, so they threw their sticks down on the ground, and their sticks all turned to snakes too, but Moses' snake ate all the other snakes that the magicians made, and he was still there, but Pharaoh was still not impressed by this, he wasn't convinced that this God is real, and he kind of like mocked him and made fun of him, he goes, who is this God, you know, that you say is real, you know, so he stuck his hand in his pocket again. He showed him the leprosy trick, and he goes, "This, this is all magic tricks, Moses." And Pharaoh wanted Moses to come back and make it right. 
But Moses couldn't because after he met God, he knew there was something more to life, something more than what he thought was really there. And he knew the real God. So he couldn't go back. He could have went back to living as a prince of Egypt and been fine and been rich the rest of his life. But he decided to live as a wanderer, walk around the desert for the rest of his life with nothing, living in tents, you know, leading a bunch of people that didn't even appreciate him. You know, didn't appreciate God. And and, they, and when he freed the Israelites, you know, and after all the plagues that came on Egypt, you know, they walked around in the desert and they bitched and cursed and they complained about everything, man. You know, they complained that when they lived in Egypt, they had it so much better because all they were getting was manna at the time. You know, this bread from heaven that came down from heaven in the morning and they said it tasted like a honey wafer. And they were collected in the morning and they would eat it and every day it would be out there. So God provided for them. There was a way for them to eat, a way for them to survive. But they still bitched and moaned and complained. They said, oh, man, you know, we had it much better in Egypt, even as slaves. You know, we had meat every day. We had vegetables. We had fruits. We had pies. We had cakes. We had breads. We had all this glorious food. And all we have here is just this manna. And so they came complaining to Moses. And so Moses went to God and he goes, what am I to do with these people? You know, he goes, he goes, he goes they, they moan and bitch and they complain about everything I do. And God said, well, don't worry. He goes, I'll, I'll send them some food tomorrow. He goes, not only will I send them some food for tomorrow, but for the next 30 days, he goes, I'll send them so much food that they'll stuff their stuff with it. They'll be full and they can't eat no more. You know, so the very next day, this wind came in and all these quails came in. And they settled down there and the people killed them and they ate them and they cooked them and stuff, right? And the people that didn't give thanks to God and decided to eat right away before they prayed and thanked God. While the mouth was still in their food and still chewing it, they died right on the spot. That's it. They died right there. And so people looked around. They said they had to, this had to be from God. This is, there's no other way. This had to be from God. But the people were so stubborn, you know, that they still bitched and moaned and complained about everything, you know. And they said, let's go back to Egypt. Moses, you know, he cried. He fell himself to the floor. He told his robes. He goes, why? Why do you want to go back to being slaves? Instead of claiming what God has given you, if you would just be obedient and listen to God, he's going to give you something better. You know, he promised this land, you know, to give it to us, you know, to Jacob and Israel when he turned to Israel. But they didn't inherit it because they weren't loyal to God. They were loyal to their own beliefs, their own stubborn ways. So God was not going to bless them with the land that they were supposed to be given until they were loyal. Even to this day, the land that Israel lives in. Is nowhere near what God promised to give them because the Israelites today are not obedient. You know, they have a form of godliness, but they don't believe in God. You know, if you look at the old standards of being forgiven by sin, when Moses wrote, you know, the books of the Old Testament, he says, without the shedness of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So we as Christians, you know, believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that blood forgave our sins. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, when they used to offer sacrifices, they would take animals. And the priest, Aaron, the head priest, would lay his hand on the head of the animal. And he would transfer the sins of the people to the animal. And this animal would be sacrificed. And they would bleed to death on the altar. And that would pay for their sins. You know, because it would take their life. You know, were spared. Their life was spared for their sins. Because the wages of sin is death. Their life was spared by these animals so they could live. And this is what Jesus did in the sense of the turn. That he gave his own life. And he bled to death on the cross to pay for our sins. There's no other way to forgive forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood.
you know. And I've talked to church Christians about this, and, and they understand this. And I talked to Jews and Muslims about this. And I asked a Jew and a Muslim before, I said, well, how do you get forgiveness of sins? They said, well, we ask for it. You know, and I said, well, that's not good enough, according to the Bible, because Jews believe in the Old Testament, as well as Muslims. No, there's no doubt that Moses is real and that Moses was sent from God. So if you believe in Moses, both of you, and you know without blood being shed, there is no forgiveness of your sins, then you asking for it is not good enough. It's not good enough that you ask for your sins. Something has to pay for you. Something had to die for you because God says the wages of sin is death. So that's how we inherit our salvation through Jesus Christ when he was crucified on the cross and he bled to death. That's how he died. He bled to death. He was beaten so bad, right, that all the blood out had dropped, and he bled to death, you know? So if, if you really want forgiveness of sins, man, you have to realize how your sins are forgiven, you know? And if you don't believe Jesus is forgiving you for your sins, and you believe other religions that trace back to the Bible, then you have no forgiveness of your sins without blood. Blood is what covers you. Blood is, is what gives you your salvation, and redeems you from your sins. So if you want to believe in God, you have to believe that Jesus bled for you, and he bled to death for you. I want to talk about Islam and uh, the Prophet Muhammad. Now, if you read the Quran, you, you will find out that the Quran verifies that the Bible was real. And, you know, he, he verifies that all these, these miracles took place and stuff, right? But if you read through the Quran, you will see that the Prophet Muhammad himself never actually committed or, you know, performed no miracle at all. You know, he didn't do no miracle at all. And when the people came to him and they said, you know, show us a sign that you're from God, he didn't give him no sign. You know, he, he, he quoted something about a she-camel spitting on people and stuff, right? But he didn't actually commit no miracle at all. He didn't perform no miracle to show he was from God. You know? And so, if you go back to these old prophets, okay? Moses performed miracles. Okay? Elijah performed miracles. You know? Peter and Paul, Jesus, all these prophets performed miracles. You know? All through the Bible, these miracles were performed. You know? And for a person to claim that he's coming from God... And he has nothing physically to back it up and, and no miracle to back it up. And you really have to question it. You really have to question what is this person from? You know, where did he come from? You know, and the Prophet Muhammad was uneducated. He did not know how to read or write. And the people that wrote these Bibles, they were educated people. They knew how to read and write. And the theory is that, you know, the angel Gabriel, you know, appeared to the Prophet Muhammad in some cave. And he spoke to him, the Quran. And so he walked around telling other people what he saw there. And he never actually wrote nothing down himself because he didn't know how to read or write. And it doesn't make sense to me that God, being all-known and all-powerful and, and knowing, you know, how people communicate, would use someone that couldn't read or write. Like, this person was considered stupid. Like, he, you're like if, you, if you go around in today's society and you don't know how to read or write, you're stupid. And you know, and uh, you, you have you have nothing to really show for yourself. Like that's, that's that's dumb to think that God would use a prophet that couldn't read or write, you know, and to send to say, hey, this this is God, this is from God, this book is from God, you know. So 
the theory was that when the Prophet Muhammad came out the cave and he was telling these people these stuff, a lot of people thought he was crazy. They didn't, you know, believe him and stuff. But there were some people that joined him, you know, and he had an army of people. And he went around and he raped and, you know, pillaged a lot of people. He murdered a lot of people, you know, and he, he spread, you know, the word of the Quran through the sword. And so these people that were following him, you know, going around killing people, raping children, raping women, because it, this is allowed in the Quran. You are allowed to rape women and children in the Quran. It says that, you know, it says if they're not Muslims, then they don't believe the way they do. You have the right to do anything to them. That's what the Quran states. It says that you have the right to kill these people. You know, and if you even look in today's society about Muslims, most of these wars that they were at around the country, it, it comes back and it stems back to Islam. I mean, if you just look at it, man, every war that we have been in America since I, you know, since I have been alive, you know, if you go back to the Gulf Wars, these are all Muslims we're fighting. We're not fighting nobody else, man. You know, like we're, we're not all these terrorists, you know, that are doing these bombings and all these suicide bombings and all these killings and stuff. These are Muslims. They're, they don't come from nothing else. And they all believe the same thing. They all believe the Quran, you know, and to think that God would want someone to murder someone else. That's not love. That's hate. That's that has to be from Satan, man. That doesn't come from God, you know. And if you think about it, Satan himself wanted to be God. That's what he wanted. He wanted to, you know, to go to God's throne and take over. He wanted to overthrow God. That's the reason he was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be just like God. You know, he had this image in his head where he was jealous, and he's like, "Well, why can't we be like God?" He, you know, he was the created, wanted to be like the creator, and you can't, you can't be the creator. There's only one creator. You know, and so Satan will work in many different ways, man. And he'll take praise in many different ways, but his favorite name is God. You know, and if you if you look at, you know, Islam, their their language is Arabic, you know, and the, all the Qurans are written in Arabic. You know, and it used to be against their religion to transfer from any language but Arabic. You know, and that doesn't make sense because God created all these languages, but he only wants you to know Arabic. And, and so when I read the Quran before, it was translated to English. And I have to tell you, man, it seems like a fucking retard wrote this book. Like the guy, the way it was worded, it just didn't make sense, man. And everything, he there were so many misquotes in the Quran about the Bible. So many, so many misquotes that you would look back that he misquoted so many things, you know. And the weird thing is that the Quran, when he wrote it, he states that the Bible is true. Okay, so him and the Prophet Muhammad, you know, when he dictated the Quran because he didn't know how to read or write. Okay, he he was literate. He didn't know how to read or write, and he did this all by word of mouth. The scribes were writing down what he said. Okay, so how can this guy be from God and not be intelligent when God is, is intelligent and all knowing? It doesn't make sense that God would use a person so stupid to communicate to communicate to his people. Why? That, does, that doesn't make no sense, man. That's like, there's no way to communicate to a person if you can't read or write and you don't even know what the words you're saying, what their meaning is. You know, so this is demonic. This is, this is really demonic, okay? And another thing is, if you look at it, when reading, you know, in the book of Revelations, so the people would take the mark of the beast, which is 666, Okay. Now, history goes back, and you look at the Prophet Muhammad and the years he lived in and when the Quran was written. You know, is it by chance? You know, and, and it's kind of strange and weird that when he was alive was the year 666. You know, the same thing that the Bible predicted would be the mark of the beast. So within this year, 666 AD was when Muhammad was alive.
when he was going around when Islam first started. You know, Islam has no roots at all. They have nothing to trace back to besides Muhammad. They have no other prophet besides Muhammad. You know, and yet they claim to believe in all these other prophets. They say, yeah, Moses was real and Jesus was real, but they don't see Jesus as the son of God. They just see him as just another prophet. So if the Quran verifies that the Bible was real and all these people in the Bible were real, then that means that Muhammad was a false prophet. In his own words, he was a false prophet and he couldn't have been sent from God, you know, because God says in the very last book of Revelations, Okay, at the very end, he goes, anyone that adds to or takes away from this book, may he be cursed. Okay, and this whole basis of writing the Quran and him becoming a so-called prophet was based off the Bible. Okay, and he add to and he took away from it. Okay, and he misinterpreted so much of it. Okay, so if you really want to believe he was a prophet, by his own words, he couldn't have been. He's letting you know that he was fake. He's letting you know that he was not real and he was not sent from God. Okay, and God said he would send false prophets into the world to test the people to see if they're loyal. Right. And this is one of the most famous false prophets of all time. You know, but so many people fall for it. You know, if you and if you look back just at the, at the short history that I've been alive, 42 years. Right. Every war that America has been in since I've been alive has been with Muslims that we have fought. No one really no one really else. If we go back to the Iraqi wars. You know, with Saddam Hussein and everything. These people were Muslims, right? And if you go to other Muslim countries, and, and, you know, Islam is called the religion of peace, right? These people live horribly, man. They live in poverty and they live cursed. So how can this be the religion of peace when there's no peaceful Muslim country? You know, you really have to dig into this, man. You really have to dig into this, right? And if this is a religion of peace, why do these Muslims hate everybody that's not Muslims? Why do they hate Christians and Catholics and Jews so much? Why do they go in there murdering Jews, right? When we know from the fact, from the Bible, that every prophet that was in the Bible was Jewish, okay? This guy was not Jewish. He had no ties at all to, you know, to Judaism or anything or to Israel. He never even visited Israel, okay? So how is it that God changed so much, you know, to, to, to completely abandon Israel and come from this prophet and, and just say, this is the prophet Muhammad and this is my new word. And the God, God says, I'm the Lord your God. I do not change. The prophet Muhammad said the Bible is real. He says, I'm the Lord your God. I do not change. He's basically telling you he is not a real prophet. He is a false prophet. And God said he would send false prophets to test the people, you know, to see if they were real. Okay, in the very last book of the Old Testament, it's the book of Malachi. It's only three chapters long. Okay, and it sums up all the Old Testament. Okay, and God said, put me to the test. You know, he goes, he goes, but he goes, when you do it, make sure your heart is right. You know, and that you're keeping the commandments of my prophet Moses. Okay, so you kept, so if you keep all the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. Okay, well, the Muslims don't keep that, right? Why? Because they're going around murdering people that are not Muslims. Okay. Jesus said, these murderers and adulterers by, by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So you can't believe that you're going around killing people for God and that this is what God wants you to do because God says he created us all and he loves us all as children of God. So he doesn't hate people as they are because that's his child. This is his son or daughter, you know. So it's not that he, he hates people, but he hates the sin they commit. 
you know? So you got to think about it like this. I asked myself once, does God love the devil? Yes, God loves the devil. You better believe he loves the devil, but he hates what he does. There's a big difference between loving someone and hating what they do. If you're a mother or father and you have a child, right, and your child does something wrong, you discipline them. Not out of hate, but out of love because you want to teach them the difference between wrong and right. But if they keep on going down this path of wrong, then that's their own decision. And you tried your best as a mother and father to correct them. But if you love them, you would teach them the difference between right and wrong. And we all know it's wrong to murder. So if you ask me if the prophet Muhammad is real, no. By his own words, he is not a true prophet. In the book, you know, in the Quran, they asked him, are you from God? He said, no, I'm not from God. They asked him for miracles and he couldn't perform no miracle. Right. There's no prophet all through the Bible. That was from God that didn't perform a single miracle. This was the only prophet that so-called came from God that couldn't perform no miracle. By his own words and his own deeds, he shows you that he is from Satan. You know, Satan is the great deceiver. You know, he, he loves to take the place of God. He wanted to ascend to the throne of God. That was his purpose. He wanted to take over as God. Right. So his favorite name is to be called God. And, you know, in the word Allah in Arabic means God. You know, and according to them, that's the that's the holy language, right? Which doesn't make no sense because God created every language. God created all people, okay? So to say he loves one people more than another people, that's wrong. That's very wrong. God doesn't love one man more than the other, okay? He, he loves us all equally, you know, but he hates our sins. He loves the Christian just as much as he loves the Jew and just as much as he loves the Muslim and just as much as he loves the Catholic. He loves the person that doesn't even believe in God. Just as much as the person that he loves that does believe in God. God is love. God is not hate.